plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. What'd you say? Plus minus. Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well respected. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back to Warriors Plus Minus. Did we take a week off or was that just me? Ah, uh, doesn't matter. You. That was you. We are back. We got the whole gang with us. Listen, y'all, they are trying to kick us off. They are trying to shut down our show, but we are the resistance, <laughs> and we refuse. We are not signing off for months at a time. We will be here. We're a 50-week show. We get a couple weeks for a break, and that's it. Right, Tim Kawakami, the boss? We are insisting on it. We are demanding that we do this show. Y'all no can't shut time. us up. Except for next week. Except for next week. Then we'll I still have to go after Marcus for this idea that because he wasn't here last week, we weren't here last week. I mean, do you just think when you're not at the grocery store, nobody's there? What is this? What I is mean, this? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, you feel me? You didn't listen to the podcast? I, mean, I figured you would take you would notes. Plug, like, there's plug some really fine points everyone was making there. Let's amplify a few. And I do want to thank the uh, other people on the show for pausing a bit while I rebooked my other show at the start of this show. So... That was fun. That was fun. Making us late. Uh, well, actually, wasn't I wasn't I doing something last week? I think I was. I don't even I think know. Covering I the even, A's I of think Oakland? I was covering the A's last I don't week. Know. I don't I think, remember. I think that. I was. Game two of the near meltdown. Yeah, yeah. I think I was. It was. It was all bad. They lost game one, so I had to like focus dive in. But now I'm back. And look, I may not have listened to the episode. But Slater, I did read your training camp finale, I would say. But I, I figure we probably shouldn't talk about that and just let TK talk to Steve about that since he flexed on us and delayed the show. Uh, hey, hey, hey. That's, we don't reveal future guests. We don't reveal future guests. We do a guess plus minus. I guess you can. We do a worst plus minus. It could be any Steve. It could be any Steve. You got Steve Nash, uh, Steve Garvey, Steve Burbank. Steve, Steve Nash would be interesting to talk to right now after some of the, after oh, yeah. that Kyrie KD uh, <laughs> podcast. Be like, welcome, we to life, welcome to life as the Brooklyn Nets coach. Do you feel like you're the coach of the team you're the coach of? <laughs> it is really interesting, though, how, and, you know, obviously they went to five straight finals and won three titles, but it's interesting how just about everything that happens in this league somehow has a connection to the Warriors. <laughs> and it's always just like, it's like, man, they really were on, they really were like the heartbeat of the league for a while. As you start looking at, like, even with that net situation, that's three dudes who are historically intertwined with the Warriors. And it's just like, at every level, you start thinking about it. Maybe the Miami Heat might be the only team that has their own kind of ecosystem. And they've got Andre Godala on. They got, got so, yeah, so uh, everywhere you yeah, turn, yeah. the oh, Lakers hold into the bitch. They must be, huh? Every successful dynasty. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely, Slater. How about like Greg Popovich's coaching tree? I mean, that's a famous thing. You know, like that spreads all across the league because he's had success. And success leads to people going elsewhere and getting important jobs and becoming important people across the league. Yes, you're right. The Orlando Magic, they aren't just sprouting their people all across the league. That's just natural in business, right? Just a thought of that was kind of funny. Why not? Why don't aren't they Orlando Magic? It's also yeah. coming from a paradigm of like somebody who grew up here and remember this team as so terrible for so long. It's still kind of jarring that the Warriors got to be the Warriors. It's still a little bit like, yo, that really did happen in hindsight. And now like you're seeing the 
the impact spread league wide. I'm sorry, I just opened up the door for Ethan to talk ratings again. My bad. Hey, people love the Warriors, man. I mean, it's proof positive, and it's weird. You want to talk about weird? You want to talk about jarring? It's weird to me to think, man. The Golden State Warriors might be a bigger draw than the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, that's an open question. And there are a lot of Oh, no, Slater, Slater is going to have to debate that one. I, t- I told Slater, you. Yeah. I guess. Uh, how, I mean, so, how so, Ethan? Well, I'm just saying if we're doing a, what, a what comparison. Think, oh, he's going to go with ratings, think that, ratings, ratings, ratings. Well, yeah, it's uh, ratings. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And I don't like saying ratings. I like saying viewership because ratings sounds like this abstract number. We're talking about fans. We're talking about butts on couches, if you will. And just the idea that the Warriors Conference Finals was more watched so far than the current NBA Finals with all the caveats and the confounding variables that one might offer and one might mention, just that alone, the idea of a Warriors Conference Finals getting more viewership, the last Warriors Conference Finals getting more viewership than Lakers in the Finals, I mean, it makes you raise your eyebrows. And yes, I do think the Warriors would be doing better and getting more viewership than these Lakers. There's something about it that's weird. You know, beyond everything else, there's just something about, it's so strange, the LeBron-Laker thing, it has worked gloriously. He has walked into yet another situation, and through just force of will and his own excellence, created a finals favorite, yet again, third time. And yet, something about it just doesn't, just doesn't resonate. It's just kind of it's kind of strange. It's like he went to Miami. He's a villain. He goes to Cleveland. He's a hero. He's on the Lakers, and it's uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Slayer, you just gonna let him talk about your team like that? Yeah, I know. Come on now. I just like, first you, of all, I don't you... have a team unless we're talking about the unless <laughs> okay, we're talking about my okay state baby. Okay, state. undefeated. 10th ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys, by the way. We're rolling. Uh, I'll give you the Indians. I'll give you the Indians. Don't, don't be trying to disown the Indians. Hey, already. come on. Come on. I want to disown them after that performance. Anyway, I think that we are too much talk about the Warriors in the past tense when, like, who knows what the Warriors ratings will be next year and, and into the future. That was an era. That was a time. Yes, Steph Curry still will be on the team, but you need, like, the growth pattern of a team. I think that matters a lot. And, the Warriors will still have that because they have the big names. To me, like, there's just so much going on in the world. You mentioned the confounding variables. We can't really just kind of skip over that. Like, this is just a different world we're living in right now than the Warriors ever operated in. So I don't know what all these numbers mean, to be honest, because it's just I don't know what anything means right now. Yeah, if the Warriors were in the finals right now, the numbers might be very similar. It's I really hard. I to don't tell. think so. I'm pushing back on that. I think we have plenty of run-up in the pre-pandemic to show that this Lakers-LeBron situation is nowhere near the pull and nowhere near the resonance of what the Warriors had going. What the Warriors had going was when the Warriors had it going. They don't, you know, you're not going to have that forever. Things rise and they and they fall. And So we're talking about the distinction between Warriors as a brand, Lakers as a brand, and the specific this Warriors, Steph Curry Warriors, is what we're talking about. We're judging the Lakers now in a pandemic versus the Warriors at their apex with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. And I think that's hard to do. I I just don't think you can do that. The Warriors with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant right now would be getting very good ratings. That doesn't exist. And, you know, you could just say that, hey, the Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish Celtics would be great. Well, that doesn't exist right now. The Shaq, Kobe Lakers. Yeah, you have to view everything in its own context. And that Warriors team was huge and does not exist. Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would be getting great numbers right now, but that doesn't exist. What exists is <laughs> We're not what, walking through that have. door. Even still, there we got to at least hold out the possibility that even if they did exist, 
maybe people don't care in a pandemic. Like they could, you could put anybody in the same situation, and people, if the pandemic has turned off people in a bubble, no yeah, fans. Yeah, like it, September it, it may not matter. Finals. I think that has September an impact. Finals. But am I the only one on a Warriors podcast to give the Warriors some love? I mean, am I the only one? Dude, I started with the Warriors love. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, but then you're then you're arguing against yourself. Those five seasons were an epic moment in time, not just in the Bay Area, in the sports universe. I think that's that's why we started this podcast, Marcus and I. I'll put it that I mean we knew it at the time. And I think that's certainly true. I'm not gonna argue against that. And it still could be continuing. You know, the tentacles of that operation, we see it with Duran in, in, in Brooklyn, and we see Nash's connection to the Warriors, and we see with Iguodala, the Heat. We just see all these things that are happening. At the time, we said it was comparable to the Showtime Lakers. We said at the time it was comparable to the Jordan Bulls. You know, maybe not quite as big as the Jordan Bulls, but in that conversation. It's not, it's not happening now, though. And I think what we're saying is we just can't comp- just chop it out and say, okay, let's compare them to this time. You know, everything is in its own era. Everything is in its own context. But yes, the Warriors for that five-season run was as big as we're ever going to see again. I would agree with that. Including within the Warriors. Like, with, this year was a great lesson. Like, Steph Curry breaks his hand. Like, didn't the viewership get cut, like, even locally, like, 60% or something? I mean. To quote Mark Jackson, uh, they let go of the rope. <laughs> y- y- yeah, I, it was it's a special place in time. But I think if, let's say, hypothetically, they opened up the bubble to every team because they said we can't make a determination on who's out, who's in, and the Warriors made a run to that finals, um, I think it would be capturing a lot of attention, even with all the confounding all the confounding variables. I maintain that there's just something, something about LeBron Lakers that's just not really... Something about it. Something about it. It just feels a little too prefabricated. It's still Kobe, 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 Kobe. And there's a there's a reason for that. I mean, one, the Kobe iconography is so strong, understandably, logically, it's true, it's authentic. But also the LeBron iconography isn't as strong in LA. It just isn't there. And that's why you still hear Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. That's why Anthony Davis makes that three pointer and shouts about what he Mamba or whatever he shouted. It's still Kobe. That's still a Kobe franchise. And it's humongous because of it, but it's not the LeBron franchise. And then that, that might just be specific to that franchise at this moment. I agree. I agree. It's different. It's it's not as big as you thought it would be. LeBron and the Lakers, I thought was going to be an immense, immense deal. And it isn't. It hasn't happened that way. Maybe because last year was so bad. I, I don't know. There's, there's probably a lot of factors with this. We used to have this discussion really in the post Kevin Durant coming in the Warriors, but like the player movement era and the inability of like seeing a team grow. That's what the Warriors always had is like you had what the Nuggets kind of have right now, which is like the start of a growth pattern. And fans and even casual, like not specific Lakers fans, but NBA fans as a whole seem to appreciate a team that has had an arc. And the Lakers didn't necessarily have an arc. A lot of these teams didn't. The Clippers certainly didn't. Um, and it's just there's there's less like investment in seeing a team break through when it's like they're not necessarily breaking through something that they've been like it's like watching a movie you're just dropping in right at the last 20 minutes when bruce willis is fighting something it's like oh we didn't get the what the exposition i guess you would call it i think there's a lot of that like the lakers don't feel like some organically grown team they don't and in a way it's unfair I mean, the Heat were popular with the non They still had Dwayne Wade. Thing. They still had Dwayne Wade, though. Uh, yeah. They were villains. I mean, what sells the game is contrast. That's what it's all about. Epic contrast. You've got... It's not as simple as we've got two big markets, so we're going to do numbers. Sometimes 
It's about the playing up of big versus little. I mean, the most watched conference finals in recent memory is Lakers-Kings because it was the big, bad, glitzy Lakers against the podunk, scrappy Kings, and people get drawn into that kind of thing. You've got Duke versus UNC. Those are contrasting colleges with contrasting reputations. So I think that with LeBron in Miami, he had kind of uh, these are the big bad villains that really helped sell the game for a while, and people were really into that. And then he goes to Cleveland and he's hometown hero. And there's just something, something about the story that just doesn't quite make sense. And in a way, it's unfair to the Lakers because they've had a hell of a season. Their veterans do a great job. They play like they give a shit in a manner that's more palpable than what the Clippers were doing. Can we go into the numbers? Is that allowed? I feel like is it, is it okay to talk about the numbers? People get very sensitive about these things, but well, they're just. I mean, I don't know. It's simple. They're way down. They're down. They're they're just down for many reasons. But I want to make a point because I think people are trying to cope and they're trying to come up with excuses. And there are excuses and there are caveats. But this should be known. The argument I'm often hearing is that things are down for everybody, which a is not true. I mean, things are down for a lot, but not for everybody. Not in every sport. Oh, by the way, I, I'll just say on the quickest side, I mean, and, and you properly always use the NFL as not losing a lot of ratings and, and they are losing less than everyone else. But I just talked to an NFL executive walking out of a stadium Sunday uh, who happened to say, man, our numbers are not good. Like literally was saying that. So it's less percentage loss with the NFL, but they're feeling it too. They are feeling it too. Everybody's feeling the effects of the sports pile up right now. I think everybody's feeling it. But I would point to the NFL, I would point to that Sunday night game because not the greatest Sunday night game, I think we would say. A lot of injuries. Even if you're a Niners fan, you could admit admit as much. It gets over 15 million people going head-to-head with the NBA, which gets 5.9 million. So the NFL, Sunday night NFL, nearly triples up the NBA viewership right there. And what's interesting about that is that a Sunday night football game and your standard NBA finals game typically gets roughly the same amount of viewership. When they're going head-to-head in this situation, the NBA is getting nearly tripled up. I think that's an indication that the NBA is losing more in this scenario. But when would the NBA Finals ever have gone against the NFL before? Well, they haven't. And what I'm saying is that you would almost expect it to be more even, you know, typically. It's the NFL, man. It's the NFL. It is bigger. You're right. Yeah, it's just bigger. No, no. Question. I have friends who are interested in both leagues, but they're more interested in the. They would watch both, but I know if they have a choice, which one they're watching, and that's just the reality of most people, I think, uh, in the sporting public. But here's a question: If the Warriors' disappearance is a cause of this, which I think we all agree it is, if they're pretty good, I mean, we're not going to be great next season. Let's just take that off. Let's just say if they're pretty good, if they're a 48 to 50 win team next season, Steph Curry's healthy and playing well, whatever with Clay and Draymond, whatever, are they the number one team in the league? Are, are they the, the team that everyone has to watch? I think Lakers off a title against Warriors would be a very good Western Conference rivalry. Like, I don't know what the, are we talking like local viewers on a game to game basis? I think about a Lakers national Warriors viewership, series. biggest draw. We're talking biggest yeah. draw. Yeah, we're talking like when the Warriors play, not necessarily, okay, the Warriors play the Celtics, the Lakers play the Celtics. Which one is the Saturday night featured game? I have a question for you. Is Steph Curry in the MVP conversation? I think that's what matters. 
Yeah, top five. If he's like, yeah, he's Steph Curry. Yeah, he picks up about where he was. Let's just put it that way. About. Then yes. If they're dull, if they're a four seed, if Steph's having an okay year and they're like kind of floating through the regular season and load managing and all that, no. But like if they're a, are a comeback story, if they are a 65 win comeback story, they, yes, they gain a bunch of momentum. 65 wins? I don't yeah, know. Geez. Yeah, geez. Also, know also if they won 67 in their original, you know, Steph Curry, like, yeah, but MVP what is, season, right? When they win three, a lot three of years that, together. Look, it's three years together. Look, I'm not predicting that's going to happen. Number one, number two, what's the season's going to start in March? How many games is it going to be? Are will there be fans? I mean, there's a lot of questions. <laughs> here. Come on. I'm hoping the rapid testing helps. What will the rosters be like? You know, we never know who, what team will be built or fall apart. Clippers, right? Like, who knows? Uh, we don't know. What Maybe the Paul George is on the uh, yeah. on the Lakers. We don't know what the we don't know who's going to be on the Warriors. So the, all, all that's in play. I like Anthony's construction of this. If Steph can get back to a top five MVP candidate, the Warriors are the biggest draw in the league. And I'm not even sure it's close. Uh, just based on what we've seen, based on what we've seen from the way the Lakers are not resonating at Laker levels. I think that's that's really what it is. And the Warriors are kind of, hey, we're a Warrior-centric podcast. Accuse us of being biased. But they are the missing ingredient right now in the NBA. Well, Warriors Nets is going to be a pretty good game. I'll put it two pretty good games. There's no question about that. that might if be the NBA could get Day Warriors, game, Lakers, huh? Warriors, yeah, Christmas Day, like Christmas, Christmas Day, Day and Kevin Durant and Kyrie are having an argument that everybody's talking about, and it's on it's on the court, and there's uh, yeah, Christmas Day Nets Warriors. I we feel we should like. report it though, according to Draymond. We should. We should. <laughs> hey, can I can I tell you guys something? There's not going to be a Christmas game. No. <laughs> the season's not going to start till no. after Christmas. <laughs> He's literally canceling Christmas on Voice of doom. Is, Voice is there of no Santa Claus? Later. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. Like, the world just also needs to get back to normal, I think, for the NBA. Also, beyond the ratings, what would give me optimism if I was, like, kind of wide-scoping and viewing about the NBA, they are proving to be just a, a very sharp organization from like the ground level and the way they've constructed the bubble and the way it's worked and the product that they put on the floor and the partnership between players union and league like to me in the long term i trust the the core of the league to like stay strong to to get back on its feet when they get all their stars back i think when we're sitting here in 2025 i am confident it will be a healthy league Interesting. Well, it's not going to be healthy, and this is not discussed. I'm going to talk about something that nobody talks about in media. Get ready for the bleeps. Get ready oh, for the bleeps. Baby. Yeah, here we go. Here's who's going to get it in the neck from the NBA losing viewership and the impact it's going to have on the sports world. It's not going to be necessarily the NBA. They're not going to make as much money as they want to, but they will make more money in the next TV deal because that's just how the market is. So they're going to make more money than last time, not as much as they could have. The people are going to get it in the neck or ESPN. That's where the shortfalls are going to happen. That's where you're going to start seeing layoffs. I mean, typically, according to my sources, I guess I should well, say. Let's, yeah, let's not go too far on that one. Yeah, we're, we're oh, you, th you think? Why well, you think this is an interesting column? If I start talking about what the average finals game makes for ESPN versus we don't work for ESPN, why are we talking about yeah. ESPN? Well, well, because there's a point. massive because if ESPN ends up laying off hundreds of people I, after the NBA finals. I, yeah. Let's not get that aggregated. Let's just uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Warriors uh, yes. and, and, okay. and the NBA. I'm here. not laughing glibly at that outcome, by the way. I want to say it's a very unfortunate outcome. Slater, let's bring it back to hoop. <laughs> you talked about in your piece, which is something that I, that's been an issue for a while, the lack of athleticism. It's why guys like JaVale McGee always 
was able to find a spot. Was that a tip on the draft? Does that rule out maybe a couple of, you know, not that great athletes and put the put the Warriors in position to say, hey, we, we really got to ratchet up the athleticism on this team? You know, the draft is not the only way to inject this roster with athleticism. There are a lot of tools. There's the, obviously the trade exception. But if you're light, you probably that, need but... two or three. Two yeah, or three no, players. No, I agree. I agree. Mid-level, you know, you can do it different ways. I just think there is a, you know, you get that team in the room, which they just did the last two weeks, and you kind of start to feel... Yeah, I mean, you felt it last year, too. How small and unathletic were they, you know, last year? It's a perennial problem, I think. <laughs> well, it also happens with with, with older teams, right? I and, mean, you know, older players. I mostly just wanted you to say that rules out Killian Hayes. That's all. <laughs> no! <laughs> they, they don't take Killian Hayes. Ethan's got 15 columns over the next three oh, years saying God, why they Killian. should have taken Killian my, Hayes. My media takes are columns. cut off. Killian Hayes out of the mix. <laughs> killing me these last few minutes i know i think that is a great way to look at this mini camp and I, and and i really liked that slater did it that way it's like they wanted to feel who they were they didn't have steph and draymond there but they wanted to feel who they were and and if you just go through it logically you see how you know they're pretty small at center right now they they don't have explosive talent on the wing except for wiggins the players they've got, Pascal, Poole, you know, they're they're players, but they're not dynamic, athletic, you know, lengthy. Yeah, they both got length, but they're not Livingston kind of players. They're not Iguodala kind of players. They're not rim protectors. They're not versatile all guard three positions. Yeah, certainly not Durant kind of players. Those are great players. They're they're hard to get. You get them, and, and you're really good. But I think if you think about that and they're just kind of looking around and they're playing five on five and they're seeing who they got, then they're an older roster and Steph and Draymond certainly don't really add to the dynamicism at this point in their careers. Yeah, I could see them going, geez, we could use some bouncy, some six foot eight bouncy guys, which they don't really have. And can they do that in the offseason? You can you can with a number two overall pick. And I would still think that points heavily to James Wiseman. He's seven foot one bouncy guy, but man, he would he'd give them something else. That answers your rim protection, your center issue, which is an issue. That doesn't necessarily answer the wing issue. And you could, you know, you could get De- a Devin Vassell or something like that, you know. But you know, Jonathan even Simmons. in um, free agency, <laughs> well, that was the interesting part of camp because I'm not sure Jonathan Simmons is an answer, but it reveals there's an athlete in camp, and he he's a G leaguer, and he's like one of the best you know athletes we have on the wing right now in camp. They have smarts. They in the Draymond's, the Stephs, the Clays, they have skill with with Steph and Clay. What this roster has lost, which is Iguodala, Livingston, Durant, is just and really their centers, their past centers is thump, strength, rim protection, length, versatility. And that to me is where they need to point almost all of their tools. I'm sorry, I was told by somebody in the organization that Andrew Wiggins provided all of that. Honestly, Wiggins is now their best athlete. And it's good that they got him instead of D'Angelo Russell. Because imagine if you flip that and now we're sitting and there's Russell on this roster instead of Wiggins. You're saying, like that, you're saying D'Angelo that Russell's is not an athlete? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you're saying slow-mo? But the problem is Andrew Wiggins certainly doesn't make up for a Durant, Iguodala, Livingston loss. You know what I mean? Like You need more than just a Wiggins. Wiggins does help in this category. But the problem is if Wiggins is your like lone high athlete wing and he doesn't really use that athleticism that well particularly on defense although we'll see if he eventually does but yeah they need help in that category i i do think he helps in that category though i do think wiggins just his ability to finish let's just say if it isn't wiseman is there someone at two who would fit that 
Anthony Edwards is is he's a bulky, bigger, like you know. I mean, he's not your, he's your strong, traditional yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, leaper, he's strong, yeah, he's but you know, I think very bad at defense. There. It would, like it would say, he's like. versatile at defense because in, in that he uh, can't guard Coral's any an position. Coral would be athlete. my, and that's I've said he's my guy. He's my Vassal. guy. But I, I, I like that. I would not take either one of them at two. Obviously, no. Coral gets the Andre comps, which. I mean, who knows? But I, mean, I don't know how you feel about that because if a player turns into Andre Godala, that's fantastic. But you wonder about a player getting compared to a guy who's not a superstar coming out if that's really a great sign. I, I, maybe I'm not articulating that right. Well, that's not what Andre Godala was supposed to be coming out, right? You, you, you draft for the top end and then you see what you get with it. Andre was supposed to be like the superstar wing scorer. Yeah, he was supposed to be the next Iverson. He was supposed to replace Iverson in Philly. And there was always been disappointment with him uh, because he wasn't that kind of player. Turns out he's a great, great player in another way. But that's like, yeah, I always thought that about sometimes about some like baseball acquisitions. If you're, if you're trying to acquire guys to be decent and they fail, you've got a horrible player. If you try to sign people who could be great and they're just good, you you work out pretty well. And I think some of that is with the draft. Jerry West always... You, know, you shoot don't for always... the stars, land on the moon philosophy. Shoot for the moon, and even if you miss, you'll land amongst the stars. Wow. Wow. Was that uh, Ethan Strauss poetry? And if you there? don't shoot for yeah. the moon, then you, you wind up with Jacob Evans. Whoa, wow, wow, wow. But I mean, I just say you go for star quality. You don't go for complementary quality if you can. And then if you go for a star and he turns into a complementary player, that's okay. Versus what the other downside of the complementary player would be. That's my point there. And, and at Especially two, at I don't, two. Yeah, yeah. At two, I don't Especially draft complementary. I, I do not draft complementary players. Well, I want to ask you guys, because there's something else going on. Not only, obviously, did the Warriors have a camp, and they're starting to kind of get a look of, of how they're built, what they might need this summer, but also, you know, atop their conference, the Lakers have now formed into the team to beat next season, even. You know, they're, it's not like the Lakers are going to break up. Yes, they have a tiny window, but it includes next season, and that is a incredibly large team, a strong team. There's the argument that is like, hey, don't build yourself comparing. You know, you, you get caught in, what was it, the middle of the last decade or early last decade when like the thunder got Kendrick Perkins because they thought they were going to face Andrew Bynum Andrew Bynum's gone and then suddenly they don't need Kendrick Perkins and it was like a a bad mistake but like matchups in the playoffs dictate a lot of times who's going to move on and if if the Warriors believe that they're going to see the Lakers next you know West Finals second round whenever I think they're going to need some injection of some thunder too, and I don't mean thunder, thunder. as a team. Wow. I, did, I mean, them I mean injection of like Kendrick the Perkins. For yeah. Oh my! Well, here's okay, <laughs> Anthony. Since you've been doing these studies of, of the Lakers and they've been really good uh, and been doing very well, I should point out also. Is there something about them you think you've learned? I mean, is there something different, some aspect of them you think that it takes someone who really watched them closely to figure out? They have versatility within their lineups where they can really try to beat you up on the glass and it's it's Howard and it's Davis in the front court with a six foot nine point guard LeBron and they're oh my gosh what a big lineup or even you know JaVel adds some length to that but then it's like eh we're too big right now let's get Dwight out of there let's get JaVel out of there and then suddenly it's like well this is a small ball lineup but still enormous it's Anthony Davis at center it's LeBron still at point guard it's Kuzma who's six eight it's Marquise Morris who's six foot nine he's not that great of a defender but he can be a stretch four and it's like yeah you know what they can play small ball against you and still be mobile and they're still enormous it's what durant did for the warriors right it was like 
well, the Warriors are playing small, but they still have a seven-footer that's blocking two shots a game and shooting from three. And I'm not saying the Warriors can get Durant. What happened in the second round of the Rockets? It was just the Rockets at some point in the middle of that series went, we're just too small. We're just, we're not there. Oh, by the way, that was an incredible game by Jimmy Butler. No question. Uh, I didn't watch all of it, but I, I mean, no question. And people said, man, has LeBron ever been on the floor in the finals? been outplayed on both sides of the floor just like that. It's never happened. It's never uh... happened. Thought, we saw it happen a lot. <laughs> uh... About nine games of it. About nine games of it. We saw it happen. Kevin Durant was better than LeBron for nine games. Not every game. And not every game was like what Butler did. But definitely the big ones. And nobody wants to give him credit because he wants it so badly. Hey, I'm giving him credit. I'm I'm the Durant credit guy. That's me. That's me. No, I know. But the broader conversation, the broader conversation, the people he wants, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, the guys on TV, uh, it just didn't happen, which I think was, uh, was an issue. And there was just no extent to which he could be play better than LeBron that would make us remove the context and give him his uh, his proper due. But I'm still stuck on this idea of what the hell do the Warriors do? If it is about stopping Anthony Davis, I just, I mean, is there an Anthony Davis stopper? Who's the guy out there who you could even say uh, gives him problems? Joel Embiid, actually, now that I think about it, Joel Embiid gives Anthony Davis problems. Just get Joel Embiid then. Draymond Green <laughs> will get a, Draymond Green. I was about Green to say, Draymond Green, to, baby. That but, was a different Anthony can't Davis, be though. Alone. <laughs> to do well against that. He, Anthony Davis had problems against Draymond, but that was five years ago. That was, that was a different player. He, he doesn't look like that guy anymore. You need Draymond Green also to have a Zaza Pachulia next. You know what I mean? Like, he needs to tag team in Anthony Davis. He doesn't need 35 straight minutes of it. And, like, you know, I mentioned Aaron Baines. I don't think he's going to fall into their price range. I mentioned Dwight last time on the podcast. It's like a, a target to go after. I don't know. They, you know, Marcus All sounds like he's going to probably play in Spain next year. Serge Ibaka would be like a dream scenario, but he's probably going to go back to the Raptors at a good price. So. You want an interesting, you want an interesting stat right here because now we're thinking about plausible Warriors, who their next acquisition might be. Four games, regular season head-to-head, Joel Embiid versus Anthony Davis. Do you know what Anthony Davis shot from the field? 36%. I've seen it too. This isn't random. I mean, I've watched this particular match. Why? Why do you think that happens? Because Embiid is so strong that he just, he moves Anthony Davis away from his spots. That's what, you know, that's what Draymond used to do to him, right? I mean, Draymond, he just couldn't get push him right off the spots. Yeah, But yeah, Embiid absolutely. is a lot bigger than Draymond. That's the problem I think Draymond will have now is Anthony Davis' jumper has gotten so good. I don't know how Draymond can contest that, but Embiid could. You know, he's got the length and the height to contest it. Well, I know another guy who's got some decent length and height and the Warriors could probably have on their roster next year. Just saying, you know, uh, who is that? Wiseman? Pick. Yes. I mean, I think, I think, <laughs> I think Wiseman I don't, is so, I don't see him locking anybody up. Yeah, I think Wiseman yeah. is the clear Yet. choice for them. Yes. So no <laughs> I'm wary of Embiid, but the injuries and everything else and everything going smaller, more versatile, but now I'm a little intrigued. Now oh, I'm no, you maybe. do not get to hop back on the center bandwagon. You are Mr. Anti Center. It might You're be like, a beat. Center it might is be like your McCarthyism. Season. Here you go. Like, no. <laughs> it might. <laughs> Philly just hired Doc Rivers, and they didn't do that to trade Joel Embiid. They did that for him to coach Joel Embiid. They're not trading. And if they're going to trade anybody, it's going to be Simmons. I'm saying that right. If they're going to trade anybody, it's going to be Simmons. But all right. I mean, Marcus threw Miles Turner out there. Uh, I definitely, I mean, I wouldn't have said this three years ago because I didn't think he was that great three years ago. He's got a lot better and he's still young he could play that you know that shooting five 
better on defense recently, a little more athletic than he's been. If you got, if they could go, if it's just essentially Wiggins for Turner, would you do that? That creates a massive hole in the wing. It just does. And I I understand people don't like Wiggins contract and I don't like Wiggins contract. I mean, you still have the number two pick. If if, frankly, they probably would have to give it the number two, but it would be tough. It would You'd be, have to what, know what the replacement for Wiggins is. You just have to know. You can't give him up and not know. That's their argument for why forget about the Wiggins contract. We need him so bad is because there's a huge hole at the three. I mean, they need Andrew Wiggins to play 32 minutes next year and guard the best players in the league, which is yeah. which is another issue, by the way. Like Andrew Wiggins will be guarding LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard like for 34 minutes in a play. I mean, Clay will switch on to him. We'll see, but. I mean, yeah, he's their wing. You don't have Michael Mulder drawing that assignment a little bit here and there. You know, Kai Bowman going. <laughs> Michael Mulder needs to first make the roster, uh, which <laughs> he will try to do in training camp. Uh, and yeah, I can see him playing twelve minutes a night. Uh, you know, Jordan Poole. The yeah, there's nobody in the draft who could start for the Warriors at three. Um, uh, right Okoro, away, I think Okoro is the one I would say is a shot at it, but he certainly couldn't score for you right away. Like you want to bring him in, and like if he proves to be good enough, sure. If but he's like, starting, Wiggins you're got a problem. Uh, Okoro's yeah. got a very strange offensive game to me in that he's got he's got a lot of skill. He'll he'll do this thing of he'll do a sidestep step back three pointer that will airball is what he'll do sometimes and really good around the rim. I I do wonder if he could have some success just driving you know being a good driver when flanked by the Warriors shooting I wouldn't be shocked if he actually provided a little more pop than maybe his reputation uh, might suggest I like Okoro yeah that's my guy of the wings but the what would scare me is okay he looks great da, da, da. and then the first day at camp you go man he kind of looks like Jacob Evans <laughs> you know it's like like there's a, there's a ceiling there that would be a little scary I'm not saying that he is but if you've got the number two pick, I don't think you want someone to go, I'm not sure if he's going to be that effective right away. I want a dynamic talent. And I'm not even sure Anthony Edwards is. I don't know that he is. LaMelo Ball is. Now, he might be a crazy dynamic talent, but he's a dynamic talent. Wiseman is a dynamic talent. Beyond that, I mean, is there another one that we could say, okay, this guy's you're going to look at him and go, this guy can do things in the NBA. I don't know. Killian Hayes, I mean. A Kongwu is like kind of an interesting, like if he becomes a BAM type, I'm not sure he will, but like he's, that would be like a versatile, interesting, like, you know, plug him into like a closing lineup if he's right away a very good versatile defender. Yeah, I kind of want to um, see how, what his real size is. Like, I kind of want, like, is he going to, is he going to look like, you know, a six foot seven guy on the floor? Or is he going to look like a six foot nine guy? I, I don't know. Like, there's some guys that look like centers in the you know in college, and they show up in the NBA, and they look like small forwards. So let's get that combine going. When's that combine, Slater? When's that coming up? It's kind of like going on now. It's like all virtual. Like that was part of the when Lamelo Ball was like talking in a Detroit gym on Zoom call with like 50 of reporters. That was technically his interview with media at the combine. So, so let's get some numbers coming out of that. I want to see some sizes. I want some wingspan. Steve Kerr's been trying to like pump this comparison because I think he's trying to pump Eric Pascal's brain up, but about it. But like Eric Pascal could become like a PJ Tucker like defender because he's got the strength and like kind of the girth down low and the physicality with a little bit of burst athleticism. That would be their dream scenario. Like Pascal turns into a plus level defender. He wasn't really a good defender last year. You could see him turning into a good defender. Are they ever going to solve that particular weird issue of him or Draymond? It doesn't really. It's it's uh, oil and water. Is that something? How do they how do they address that? 
I mean, is he good enough to make it a choice yet? <laughs> He's coming off the bench. Yeah, they're both on the team, and you figure they're, it they're out. They're carrying two catchers, basically, is what they're doing. All teams they, carry two catchers. <laughs> exactly. I'm saying that's what they're doing. <laughs> I think that's probably correct, but I think they could play it out, and you can play, you know, either one of them can play some five, I think, in, in, in some lineups. So that that way you can sneak them both in the lineup that way. I think they got to see. It depends on if Draymond hit a jump shot, <laughs> really. It's what it, you know, like, it's so much different opens up if Draymond can hit the three you know maybe he never will but if he's healthier if his legs feel better if his shoulder feels better and he hits the three you can do all sorts of different things with him right now we're looking at Draymond who cannot shoot the three then the lineups are limited in in major ways with that one does Pascal fix that <laughs> no, I'm no I mean but you can play him it. in different ways with Pascal if he can shoot the three because we're not sure if Pascal can shoot the three that's the problem like one of them's got to shoot the th- one of them's got to be able to shoot the three for them to both be on the floor together preferably both of them but if neither one of them you know if the, if one of them's a 28 and one of them's a 31 percent shooter from three you are not playing them together you just cannot do it it doesn't matter anyway because Jordan Poole will make all the threes. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm calling him. it. Jordan Poole will make all of the threes. I'm calling that. They're pumping his growth. They are. They're saying this is the hardest worker of uh, the offseason in their building. It's the guy who's been there every single day who is growing from a physical standpoint, which he needed. You guys remember seeing him last year. It was like, this is a kid. And it does seem like he has a body that could physically grow. Apparently, he is. I have not seen him in person. I saw him on one Zoom call. But... I don't know. I mean, I again, I don't be- necessarily know if I believe Jordan Poole ever will become something, but I guess the point they're making is if it's in there, he's trying to get it out. You know, like he's trying. The guy who I want to see, like I need to see it with my own eyes because they're, they're hyping him too is Kevon Looney. It's like, yeah, Kevon Looney in great shape. Kevon Looney uh, with some, with some uh, cuts on him with some muscles. Yeah, I need I need to see that. I'm, I'm not not too sure. He's not in good shape. He's not in good conditioning shape. The thing that has changed is he's not, every time he takes a step, there's not a massive pain in his side. I mean, he got core surgery, which is a you know rare thing. You guys remember seeing him run last year? It did. It looked very painful to like run up the court. And he has even admitted, like, I was scared to move. I was scared to go over and contest the shot because it was hurting me to do that. And that is what apparently has changed. He doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt him to move anymore. He's not cut and in shape. Like, he needs to get that now but at least he's not i guess in constant pain i'm gonna fall prey to stereotype here uh about my predilections for players and say that looney with a lot of recovery time could be a really good thing they need competent players they need guys who are just they can do a good job and not make mistakes and just be positive if Kevon Looney is not feeling pain in his side every time he moves he's that guy for them and i think that could be a very undervalued boost just because they have so much time for these guys to get fully recovered and healed and healthy off of the injuries they've suffered. So I would look out for that. I would not discount the possibility of a Kevon Looney renaissance. Um, what is he, 26, 27, he's still whatever. No, he's no, still, no, he's even younger. 24, yeah, right? 25. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I, think, I think of him as a 35-year-old player, and I think that's kind of how they have to treat him as, as the injuries he's gone through. He didn't actually wasn't very has never been very dynamic. And if you just think of him as a guy that like, can you get two seasons out of him? And he's smart and he's, you know, he can he can beat play important minutes and not screw up. Then that's good, you know, in, in a way that Damian Jones never could be. 
that's fine, but I don't think you can go, man, that guy for the next five years, we're gonna we're gonna count on him. Like you can't I am do that way with him. more of a Looney fan than, than Tim is. I, I, I look at it <laughs> You've as, always been I mean, though. You've always I, I agree with the last sentence you said, but look, he played eighty games in 2018, 2019. Really a hundred. Eighty and then into the playoffs. Like he had a, and that, that honestly kind of might have killed his body, but yeah. Yeah, and and then he suffered from a that happens, and then they had the very quick turnaround, which I think he had lingering issues from that after he got injured on that Kawhi play. I am far more far more of a Kavon Looney optimist. I know it was ugly last year. I know it was bad, but he knows how to play basketball, and a lot of guys don't. He knows. And, how to play and basketball. we can't underestimate these other guys, like especially considering how new this roster is. Can you imagine how much? Uh, Steph and Clay and Draymond would like seeing Looney on the court, like a guy who knows how they play. Like that, that will matter a lot too. And I'm going to go contrary to some of a lot of things that I write is you know about how the little things matter, defensive positioning, smart. But it also is a lot more important when you're playing with Kevin Durant next to you as opposed to when you don't have or, or Steph in his prime when Clay not coming off of ACL, like. They're going to need guys who can create a little bit. They are going to need a little bit of one-on-one basketball. And if they put a bunch of guys out there who all do the little things and don't do the initiate the offense thing, it's going to be problematic. I've been you know, saying I, they needed that since Rodney Stuckey was in the league. Like, <laughs> yeah, he was the Jeez. Jamal Crawford, that's what they need. You can never have enough creators. When you don't have them, the other guys are less valuable literally the finals that's the finals right there that's what we watch in the finals the one word that concerns me with kavon looney that none of us have said yet is neuropathy <laughs> you know like they admitted that last year they they revealed that that he deals with this neuropathic condition that you know clearly affects his body and so to me like ethan's correct like an optimized kavon looney is a 25 minute per night player the problem is i think the warriors should in no way build their roster assuming kavon looney will be a 25 minute per night player if he is that's a bonus. That's just a bonus. It's probably going to be for 20 games at a time, really, right? I mean, you can't go, oh, we're going to have... If it's a 65-game 60, season next year, it isn't going to be Kevon Looney playing 65 games. It just isn't. I mean, you, you can't plot that out. Not to be unfair to him, you just can't. And so everything kind of hinges around that. And again, I, I'm linking him as like a 35-year-old player, like a really good 35-year-old you know, veteran, gutsy, Udonis Haslam 35-year-old player. Uh, and I think if you just set set the uh, the standard on that, I think then it can be you can realistically figure out what his roster spot is. If you go higher than that, I think you, get, you might be looking for some trouble. Well, I mean, he's making four million dollars, five million dollars. If I'm Looney, I'm like, don't expect the world from me for for five million dollars. Yeah, you get twenty well, minutes. By, by the way, there's a reason why he had to keep coming back to the Warriors with these very middle sized contracts when. It's like, hey, Kevon Looney is a free agent. He's going to go make a ton of money now. And guess what? There were no offers for him. He's undervalued. I agree with that. For when he's good, he's good. But there's a reason why there wasn't a ton of demand or any for, for Kevon Looney when he was healthy. So in honor of Kevon Looney, the great perimeter defender for a big man who made uh, incredible strides over his career and was clutch in the playoffs, defended James Harden on the perimeter. Let's close this out. That was that was pretty bad, but hey. Close I, I expected out. something close to out. Something was coming. Close out after the close out. Close out, Looney. Good. That was like we'll close out the pod. Y'all did, y'all. That was anyway. like an intro. Lights out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, this podcast 
We didn't talk over. any finals, by the way. We talked it's no probably finals, good because is this great. is coming out after game which four. Great, so yeah. it's either going to be 3-1 or 2-2, two, two, and we do not know. Uh, see you uh, next week. <laughs> two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. We could really start talking draft. I did book my podcast guest during the show. I want to point that out that we finalized that. So by I'm, the way, everyone I, could be happy. I think we will be a, almost exactly a month out from the draft next time. You know, two oh, weeks we from go. now. So. Let's, let's do some serious draft study. There draft we go. See you Ethan, lock weeks. in. Oh man, draft time! I think maybe. Ethan started his draft series. Seven years ago for this draft is what yeah. it feels like. My yeah, God. I, I know too much now. It's screwing up my analysis. <laughs> and I've I've taken like every position. I've taken already like eight contradictory positions at this point. So I've I've covered all the bases. You and Coward. It's good enough for me. It's a show. I've been trying to end the show for like five times now. Are we actually in it right now? Is this yes. it? Are we done? All right, we out. The NBA draft. It's like. <laughs> 